Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're answering your listener questions. Yes, sir. It is a Monday, and you know that means we are answering your listener questions. We've got five great ones to get to today. We do it every Monday now, by the way. It's if our you didn't thing. Get the memo. You know, we were thinking about okay, maybe we'll make the listener questions be the Wednesday episode. No, no, no. For whatever reason, the Ask How to Money Monday episode is just like it's ingrained into my brain, and that's what we're doing today. Yeah, we uh, a listener. He's asking about how he can go about ramping up a side hustle. Another listener, he's figuring out what to do, specifically when your craft beer equivalent are luxury sports cars. Oh. <laughs> and then, uh, we've got a, more of a nerdy question, uh, an early retirement question, how to access some Roth 401k funds early. We'll get to those three, plus a couple others, during our episode today. Yeah, a nice variety here. Kind of like what's in our beer. We'll get to that in a second. But real quick, oh, yeah. Matt, my, my uncle, <laughs> he and my aunt, they take a trip together once or twice a year. Well, my uncle, he's kind of the cheerleader type. He's always rooting me on, which is just super sweet. It's nice to have an uncle like that, right? And and so he and my aunt, they're making trips. They always go to historical sites across the country. They want to see like the house where a old school president grew up or something like that. Uh-huh. And so cool. uh, whatever, all that, all that kind of stuff. And so my uncle is sending me pictures from all over the United States. But what does he put in front of those historical landmarks? The how to money sock. And he's sending me <laughs> pictures with the, with our sock in front of like, Wait, like the a little s- white house and stuff like he, that he he doesn't have them on he's just holding it in the frame just holding it in the frame like a single dirty like dobby from <laughs> harry potter like i think it's clean i think it's clean <laughs> it's a singular sock but how adorable is that it's sweet like it's it, pretty cute it just shows you how proud he is and how he wants to like send me a bunch of those up and we'll post them i will okay. i will they're very they're super cute but on that note i was thinking uh, wow we've still got 
some super sweet How to Money socks sitting around that we have not given away to listeners. Well, it's true. It's time to give away some more of those because one, they're comfy. Two, they're adorable. You're going to love them if you like the show. And so- They look uh, good and they feel good. That's right. You can already win some if you subscribe to our newsletter and share our not newsletter. Win some. You can earn some. Or earn some, yes. But now we're offering the opportunity, I guess, for yep. folks to win some. Right now, the bar is very low. All you got to do is submit a review for our podcast, whether it's on Spotify, Apple, podcast wherever you listen and send us an email showing that you've left one and even if you left one in the past just send us an email with a screenshot of that review and we'll include you in this giveaway yeah okay i know why you're doing this because we our recent review gave us like three stars because <laughs> they're ripping on me for talking about the five percent uh student loan payment <laughs> <laughs> which i i will say they did they took you to task on that but i took you to task in the moment because i thought that was a ridiculous thing to say that five percent of that's not your discretion hey, of I'll, your I'll budget double down. Is, okay you know no, what don't double please don't i think the reason that's i don't touch think, okay, Bill okay no when on. you are when you are an entrepreneur and i literally have been, like been self-employed my entire life like there have been years where we've gone from like where our income has decreased by like literally 40 to 50 percent like going from like earning 90k down to like 40k yeah and we're like ooh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit tighter this year I think with that in mind, I'm like, oh, 5%, that doesn't, you know, doesn't seem that big of a deal. Sure. I understand it certainly impacts folks, but at least it's better than 10, yeah. which it certainly is, but I'm not, I certainly don't want to discount the folks out there who are feeling that crunch more significantly. I, right. I, I totally get that. I think that's probably how, but that's that why you want to give some socks away. Well, we got to make up for your indiscretions <laughs> and hopefully get reviews from people who love us and don't well, hold hey. that against you. I still appreciate that they at least gave us three stars yeah. because it's not like they went from loving the show to hating it. They're just kind of annoyed yeah. at maybe some some of the stuff we said recently. So. Sure, and so that's fair. If fair. You, if you want to help uh, help <laughs> us, uh, those reviews really do matter. They help other people who are interested in yeah. potentially listening to the show know what they're getting into. And yeah. so, if you've liked it, we'd love it if you would uh, leave a review. Leave us a solid one over there. Yeah, especially if you've been listening for a while, haven't yet, and you will be entered to win away one of five pairs of socks that we're giving away. That's we will. Right. We'll, uh, Make that happen by, let's you say, Wednesday by midnight. Wednesday at midnight. And we will announce on the Friday flight the five winners of the, the How to Money Socks. No doubt. All right. Some good-looking socks. We hope you win. <laughs> May the odds be ever in your favor. But uh, the beer that we're having on today's episode is called Dream. It is a strawberry, cherry, cotton candy, jelly bean, sour. We'll give our thoughts on this <laughs> kitchen sink of a beer at the end of the episode. It's like a beer that was made by... Uh, 10 year old uh, <laughs> or like an oompa loompa in a, in a candy store right wait what's it called is it dream it's like j, j yeah with a j like, like yeah. dream jareem uh, yeah. jareem that's right makes me think of uh like kareem abdul jabbar flight of the concords oh Jer okay Jer was it jerome yeah jerome boy i hadn't thought about that one in a while <laughs> me neither all right well let's get to on that note it's business time <laughs> <laughs> the topic at hand we are let's get to it answering listener questions we do it every monday and if you have a question for us we would love we would love to hear it and tackle it on an upcoming Ask HTM episode. All you got to do is record a voice memo and send it our way. If you want the specific instructions, just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. Let's get to uh, the first question, though, Matt. This one comes from a listener who wants to ramp up a, a side hustle, turn it into a legit business. Hey, Matt and Joel. Justin from Northeastern Oklahoma here. Really want to start my own woodworking business and transition to working for it full time over the next few years while I continue to work my job at the post office long enough to be able to make a smooth transition from one profitable gig to the other. My current shop situation is not ideal to say the least as I'm working out of my uninsulated and unconditioned garage and find it is mentally and physically straining to get out there to work in the frigid cold or blazing humid heat we tend to get here. 
I have about $27,000 in my TSP, and I could draw on to either retrofit my garage to a nice small shop or build a larger separate shop altogether, which would be ideal so my wife could have her garage back. Do you think it's a good idea to draw upon retirement savings to invest in starting up a personal small business? Other financing methods I've considered are cash-out refinancing, HELOC, the old bootstrap method, which I've been using, or potentially crowdfunding. Any thoughts or recommendations? Obviously, building the shop would be more expensive than a retrofit, and I'd like your thoughts on that as well. Thank you for your time and your response, and I love the podcast. Joel, what do you think Nick Offerman would say to Justin about getting out there in the hot or the cold? Oh, I, I, mean, th- I think he'd say, grin and bear it. That's right. <laughs> he'd pull out his inner Ron Swanson. I can't not think of Ron Off- uh, Nick Offerman or Ron Swanson. Ron, yeah, I, was I love that Ron, you combine Offerman because that's how everyone thinks of him now. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, he's done other great stuff, too, beyond just Ron Swanson and Parks He will always be known, yeah. though, um, yeah, playing that role. But he was great in that, that one episode of the last of us i mean he's done a lot of good stuff oh that's right yeah yeah fantastic yeah well and i gotta say justin's calling from oklahoma we actually have two listeners from oklahoma on this episode and it makes me think of Ooh. one of my favorite artists i've been listening to a whole lot lately zach bryan from oklahoma dude he's uh, from okay yeah I, i'll give a music rack here i'm not af- i'm not afraid if you like kind zach of Bryan kind of sounds like country it's like indie country for oh, sure so yeah okay. if you like that cool i like the I don't like the radio country, but if you like indie yeah. sort of country, then Zach Bryan's for you. You don't like it to be too polished, right? Exactly. Yeah. Or I don't want to sing about pontoon boats. Like that's just not my jam. <laughs> but pontoon boats and boots and <laughs> right and the dog that and where you put you them and yeah that kind of stuff. I don't care about that stuff. But uh, first off, Justin, we are rooting for you, man. I mean, I, I think it's important to mention first off that there's a difference between side gigs and starting your own business. The that difference is stark. Uh, a side hustle can help you snag cash in return for your time. Think of this as driving for Uber, something like that. Probably the most significant, well-known side hustle out there, right? Typically, where you're beholden to a specific platform who could, on a whim, change the rules of the game. Starting this business that you're looking to start right now, it might not be immediately lucrative. Whereas with Uber, you can turn on the spigot right away. You might not make a ton, but you can start making money right now. The truth is, though, that you're far more likely to be able to turn this effort, the one to start this business, uh, instead of going with a side hustle, into a recurring and sustainable income, right? Mm -hmm. And some gigs make sense sometimes, but building a business is a better long-term proposition. That's what we want to encourage people to go in that direction. And it sounds like you're taking the right approach. Yeah. Yeah. We actually dedicated an entire episode to this very topic, the difference between side gigs, side hustles, and what would eventually be be able to become a business, something that you're able to to run yourself. We'll make sure to link to that one in the show notes. That's really the difference between a gig and a side hustle. I think a side hustle is something that you're looking to turn into a full-fledged business. Exactly. And it might take a while and you might not be making any money for a minute while you're doing it. Whereas like the different gig apps, those are the end in and of themselves. Yeah. Uh, and they're not a great end. That's right. For most people. Yeah. So, uh, Justin, let's talk about building out that shop. Let's talk about how you can go about it. Uh, we are all about investing your, in yourself and this future business, which can pay some massive dividends, right? Often bigger ones than just simply investing in the market. Focusing on your own personal development, this can just lead to higher earnings. It can lead to better career prospects. But do you need this tricked out shop, <laughs> wood shop, in order to get the side hustle off the ground? Do you have to have exhibit being proud of your shop right. in order for it to be you know, enough for you to do what you need to do in it? And then on top of that, should you tap your retirement savings, specifically your TSP, in order to pull this off? 
we would definitely say no to the latter. Tapping retirement funds, it's rarely a good idea because you're going to be paying tax on uh, the amount that you're going to be withdrawing at your uh, income level, at your income bracket, plus a 10% penalty, which is, in our opinion, too stiff of a punishment for you to take. And by the way, uh, TSPs are thrift savings plans, which are essentially government 401ks. Yep. Uh, they've got the same withdrawal rules and limitations and whatnot. They're just, yeah. 401ks for government workers, and yep. with him being working for the post office, that's uh, wh- how he has that TSP. Because, of course, it can't be simple. We can't just have like one plan all the way across. We have to have a bunch of different alpha- alphabet soups worth of plans. That's just how we roll but in this I, country. Hey, I, I like uh, thrift. It's got the word thrift in it, which makes me yeah. happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the way, I, I like thrift savings plan better than 401k. Do you think uh, most personally. of our listeners got that exhibit reference? Do you think they watched Pit My Ride back in the day? Um, I'm going to guess 50-50. That was a cultural <laughs> phenomenon back in the day, but if you didn't... And back mean, here in the trunk, I got a fish tank. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty great. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. Well, uh, here's the thing. Plus, on top of that, you don't have those dollars working for your future, right? If you opt to take yeah. that money out, talking about at your actual retirement dollars, yeah, build out that place for you to work, build out the workshop. You're not only paying tax and penalty, you're also saying, hey, all these this twenty seven thousand dollars that I've essentially pigeonholed for my future that's going to build and grow. Well, it's no longer doing that. And so it's a double whammy. It's uh, You'd really be, be starting from scratch then when it came to retirement savings, which is not a place we want you to find yourself. It's a better idea to reduce your contributions moving forward so you can build up a shop renovation nest egg more quickly, right? Instead of taking the money out, just put less money in and do that bootstrap method you were kind of talking about. Like, uh, we'll try to help you think outside of the box too. Like, could, could you maybe continue using that garage if you put insulation in it and used a, a portable HVAC, I, mean, I think both of those things combined would cost you something like a thousand bucks. Plus, there's a federal tax credit for putting in that insulation. It makes me think about it. we just kind of re- did some things to our sunroom. We insulated it. It was just like a room where you, you couldn't Booyah. hang out in the summer and the winter, and now you can. And so, just a, you get 30% off that junk, right? That's right. Insulation and a mini split, which come yeah. with federal tax rebates. And it was pretty inexpensive overall, and it made that room far more livable. And so, it doesn't necessarily solve the problem of your wife wanting her garage back. It's not perfect, <laughs> but uh, it Did gives not you, solve that problem. <laughs> no, no. I don't know that we can solve it all, but it gives you a more comfortable place to work at least while you're trying to see if it's going to make sense to go in this direction full time or not. That's right. Yeah. So don't dig into your retirement dollars. And in regards to financing, you also mentioned cash out refinances uh, there on your home. Kind of depends on your, your current rate, but Probably not. This is probably not an option that we would recommend as well, because you're likely giving up an incredible fixed rate in order to do that cash out refi. Not to mention closing costs. Yeah. Uh, a HELOC, that's a maybe if you've got a plan to, to pay it back quickly. Uh, but then again, you mentioned bootstrapping there at the end. And that is honestly, I think, going to be the best way to go about this. Uh, especially, let's say the small business venture doesn't quite take off like you thought it would. And obviously, hopefully that that's not the case. Again, we're rooting for you. We want this to work, but we don't want you to be left in the lurch, basically, at the end of the day. We don't want you to not only have no savings, but even no money invested for your future with a workshop, a nice workshop that, that isn't producing the revenue that you hope for. You know, you, you really want to achieve like a proof of concept before pouring even more money into creating a, a nicer space, which yeah. it sounds like you might be able to do because it sounds like this is something you're already pursuing. But I think finding a way for you to gradually ramp up this side hustle into and like a legitimate business that that is the best way forward it makes me think of when we were starting the podcast matt and we were 
nobody nowhere no we had very, no listeners <laughs> for the first few episodes and there was there's a big hill to climb but what if we had said let's build the sweet podcast studio hoping that we're going to be successful in this business well we needed some sort of proof of concept some sort of like listenership revenue in order to justify sinking yeah. more money into the business and so we needed the bare minimum recording at your dining room table to get off the ground <laughs> and and really occasionally your dining room table yeah but beyond that we tried to keep it you know, keep it cheap. Yeah, I mean, we literally borrowed gear. The cheapest, what is it? The Shure fifty-eight. It's the ubiquitous universal mic that you see everywhere. We didn't yeah. like. What are the like? We've I don't even know what these are. The, the SM seven B. So now the these 7Bs, are like four hundred. These are mics. nice mics, but we didn't even get these until like two years ago, something yeah. like that. We did not, and we just continue to use our old microphones. Obviously, these are nicer, and they certainly benefit the podcast. But that was after we had been, you know, certainly showing that okay, this is something that's actually earning money. Right. It's not necessarily just a hobby. Yeah. And and let me just mention this one last thing. Justin mentioned crowdfunding. He said yeah, that what if I like take to the streets or take to the internet, take to Facebook and see if other people want to help fund my venture. I'd say one of the best ways to get the funds to do the build out would be to pre-sell some items that you're planning on making. Could you get the word out and start taking orders now? Instead of thinking you have to like furnish the showroom before you start making sales, think about it the other way. You can say, hey, listen, I'm making all this cool stuff. Here is Here are a couple examples or of what it's going to, to look like can i make you a custom bench for your front porch or, or or swing for your front porch whatever it is that you're making and and show people a proof of concept and then take orders get those orders pre-funded essentially have people pay in advance and that hopefully helps you uh go down the path without begging for money which i think of some crowdfunding kind of like that like can you help me do this even though I'm not giving you anything in return? Like that's how some of the crowdfunding things feel to me. Sure. So I was talking about ensuring that this just doesn't become a hobby. There's nothing wrong with hobbies. Sure. I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with pouring money into hobbies, but really, really expensive hobbies that you justify and kind of call a business in your mind, that's what we want you to avoid. And yeah. so I, I think to that end, maybe what this takes is just being slightly more organized with your finances. I'm, again, I'm not saying that you're not, but if you have currently, maybe because he said he like goes out in the garage, you know, out there and makes stuff. So maybe he is making some stuff and he's selling some stuff, but maybe what it takes is opening an actual business, a, a checking account and keeping those finances separate because yeah. then you can start to quantify and, sh and show that like, okay, sweet, I'm actually generating revenue as opposed to maybe just absorbing some of those dollars into your, your general bu monthly budget. Right. And also absorbing some of those expenses that may be perhaps even more than what you're generating. But I think having that delineated and separated will allow you to... And it's, it's like fuel on the fire to get you producing more, creating an excellent product, getting it out there, marketing it in order for you to know that the light at the end of the tunnel is to have enough on hand. Like Joel said, maybe at first to insulate, get the HVA, like a little portable air conditioning thing out there. But then beyond that... Yeah, okay, you got a fairly comfortable space. Next, let's make let's get I don't know twenty thirty thousand dollars up. That yeah. way we can I can get a slab poured, a nice big garage, big workshop. I think maybe if you start treating this more like a an official business and jumping through some of the hoops that go with getting an EIN like a like a the employer identification number, just some of the more official things that might change how it is that you are viewing uh, viewing this the side hustle as well. Yeah. And I think one episode I would recommend you go back and listen to, Justin, is episode 247 that we did with Alan Donegan. And and that whole episode was about starting a business with zero dollars. And yeah, he, yep. was, he was really creative, I think, in a lot of ways that he approached helping other people start a business. He runs something called, I think, Business School Startup. And yeah, so, something like that. So, yeah, Alan, Alan rocks. And 
his motto is fail fast and fail cheap, which I think is a good one, right? To keep in mind as you're getting this off the ground, start that business. Yes, but find creative ways to keep your retirement intact and keep your debt to a minimum while you're doing so. You'll be glad you did, especially once money starts coming in. That's profit. That's not coming just to pay down the debt you took out. Uh, so I think if you if you start in a way that that is, like you said, bootstrapping, and I think that is the best way to go for your personal finances. And the, it's going to make you think about how how you go about doing this business thing more intentionally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I just thought of another little side thing. I, there is a, or at least in town, there is a woodworking shop. They're building out furniture for different restaurants and breweries and, and, and whatnot. And they would, um, they had like a burn, like a stamp that they stuck on their tables. And that was a way that anybody and everybody that went to that brewery saw that stamp yeah. there on the table. And so maybe that's a way to offer a discount and just like, hey, uh, I'm willing to do this for you. Normally I would charge this, but if you let me put my business name or my logo or something like that on there, that might be a way for you to start spreading the word a little more quickly. That way you're able to ramp up more quickly. You're yeah. able to squa- uh, scale more quickly as or well. One other thought. What about renting someone else's space? Who already does it? Uh, maybe they work Monday through Friday and you say, hey, can I rent your space for sat- uh, on Saturdays for this amount of money? I don't yeah. know. There's all sorts of ways to skin the cat maybe, but just going to the most expensive option, which is building a new workshop that's insulated, heated, and cooled, and all that stuff. That's probably one step too far at this point in the game. That's right. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, we've got more questions to get to, including the luxury sports car question. We'll get to that, plus others, right after this. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. 
That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, Matt, let's keep going. We got more listener questions to get to. It always warms my heart when we get questions from teenage listeners. We've oh, got, yeah. got another one here. Hi, my name is Amaris. I am 16 years old and living in Ontario, Canada. I listen to your podcast all the time, and today a question popped into my head while I was listening to the ninth episode. Retirement investing is simpler than you think. My question is, can I still earn money and possibly have a head start in managing it at even an early age. My worst fear is to be financially struggling, whether that's because I don't have good money management skills or because I don't have enough money for retirement and work till I'm dead. So I was wondering if you could talk about how I could start managing my money as early as possible so I can have experience for when I'm older and also kind of have a head start with retirement and such. If you have any advice, be as brutal as you want. I am always open to honesty, and you guys are great at that. Have a great week, and thank you for your time. That's two weeks in a row now that we've heard from somebody younger from Canada. Did you do some sort of like Canadian marketing uh, <laughs> plan? That I, don't I did know some about. Facebook targeted ads. Hey, straight to I like it. Anybody who likes <laughs> hockey and maple syrup. <laughs> Might be an overgeneralization, Amaris. I hope you're not offended at Joel. It's Joel who said that, That's by me the way. this time, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I do cringe, honestly, thinking about some of those older episodes that are still up and available for listening. But Amaris, I am incredibly impressed that not only are you listening to the podcast, you have reached out and now we're answering your question. We're, we're, we're getting to you and hopefully we can help you out here. Uh, but you just have... It's amazing that you've got like this desire, that you've got the maturity to achieve some of these goals, some of these financial goals at such a young age. It's just crazy impressive. And we'll do our best to, to tell you what we would have told ourselves at your age, because I think I speak for both of us, Joel, that we were both pretty dumb at the, <laughs> at the yourself, age of Matt. 16. No, 100%. Uh, I, I, did, I did not know anything about anything at that point in time, much yeah. less money and investing. Well, so, and like some of it, I... I knew, but even still, knowing you did, I didn't, <laughs> it, it, it didn't change how I acted because yeah. I'm like, well, I know what I'm supposed to do or what I should be interested in. But the fact is, I think Amaris is she, she has the knowledge, but she's also got the desire, yeah. the, like the willpower to actually see it through. To me, that's more impressive than just having the, the information. Yeah, no, it's a potent combo for sure. And so, yeah, let's talk about what Amaris needs to know so she can get where she wants to go. And first, Amaris, the, the first encouragement we would give you is to become a lifelong learner. You're already doing this, right? You're listening to personal finance podcasts when most of your friends are probably not, right? I can't imagine that most of your friends are listening to How to Money or anything like that. They're probably listening to some comedy podcast or whatever, which is great. There's some great comedy podcasts out there. But if y'all are listening, shout out to all of America's friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, or to any teenagers out there. We love that you're that. Again, Matt and I, it's hard for us to imagine that considering where we were at 16, like we weren't thinking about this stuff. And it's so encouraging to hear younger folks actually uh, listening to this stuff and caring. But 
everything you're learning is giving you a leg up. And those skills and lessons are going to compound in their effectiveness over time. So like the average person, they really don't start asking these questions until age 40. And then it can yeah. feel like they're drinking from a fire hose. Our, our brain loses plasticity, right? As we age, <laughs> I was just thinking about that the other day and how I'm just, my daughter is like better with technology than I am and she's 10. And so the, I think the more regularly you read, you listen and you talk about these things, the more curiosity you bring to the game right now, the more you're going to thrive. And so that that involves continuing to go down this path, continuing to listen and continuing to implement all along the way. Yeah, I think this is a really important point. It, it makes me think of something we just briefly mentioned in response to, uh, to Justin's question about investing in yourself, because it's certainly tempting to hear about compounding returns, right? And then you, just, you start shoveling as much money as possible uh, into different investment accounts. That being said, don't neglect to grow your career prospects. Don't neglect to grow your income at the same time, because that can have like really far reaching impacts, allowing you to sock away more money over time, right? And it's not just about the here and now, but again, going back to Justin, he's not just uh, working uh, on the gig apps because he's looking to make a buck now. He's looking at a larger time horizon. And we want you to do that as well when it comes to how it is that you're handling your money. Because uh, a high income it doesn't always lead to financial success, but increasing your earning potential, it's a really big part of the equation and, and uh, yeah but it, it also takes balance as well because I'm like we're focusing on like financial success and career success but some other advice I wish I had maybe had as well is that like I think you might be hearing this and again it feels like you're kind of getting the cheat code you know how money works and if you go for that like with like full bore you might neglect relationships you might neglect yeah. hobbies like we we're talking about earlier and we want you to have like life success not just financial and career success so don't forget about the things that interest you don't forget about, forget about your family don't forget about uh, like your physical and your emotional health like all the different aspects of life that make it interesting uh, because at the end of, end of the day if you're only focused on money and obviously that's we're all about focusing on money that's what we talk about here day yeah. in and day out but if that is all that you're thinking about and you're not broadening that aperture to take in some of the other things that make life awesome well at the end of the day you're not going to have anything else you, right. you're just going to have money which is helpful, but you need to make sure that you are developing these other aspects of your life as well. Which is the main theme throughout one of my favorite stories, A Christmas Carol, right? Like uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, sure, he's got money, but yep. he doesn't have any friends and, and his family hates him and he doesn't care about people who are less fortunate than he is. And so obviously the author, Charles Dickens, is trying to tell us that this is no way to live a life. And so yes, we want you to learn how to make more money, how to invest and save it well, but I think Matt, you're, you're spot on. You don't want to do it to the point where you've given up other things that matter and make us human and make life worth living. Yeah. But uh, another another good idea we would say is to keep your debt load to a minimum because, like, let's That's say it's important as well. Yeah, you have to use <laughs> credit cards, which we're totally fine with. We'll pay them off on time and in full every single month, and then you know set that payment to auto pay maybe so you don't forget. Automating is a really helpful thing to do. And from what we hear, at least college is cheaper in Canada, which is great. But if you opt to pursue a higher education, try to minimize the debt that you take on. Your early 20 self will thank you. It's just a few years down the road. But man, keeping that debt to a minimum on the front end will create less, less pain, less difficulty for you financially later in life. And that's going to help you to be able to sock away more money in those early working years than your peers who have opted to take on bigger debt burden. So you, you're in this sure. prime age to be able to think about, well, how much am I going to 
take on debt wise for for school for higher education you might even say guess what i've got these other interests these entrepreneurial bents and i don't even know if college is for me but yeah, uh, yeah. But it's at least it's very it's very much worth thinking about the value proposition how much you're likely to make based on the degree you're getting how much joy you're going to get from it and then also how you can limit the debt to get that degree totally okay so you just said a bunch there that made me think of two additional things Joel, which are like you're talking about uh, her peers who might be saddled with college debt the community that you surround yourself with, I think that's really important as well, because I think your friends can have just an outsized impact on your financial and life trajectory, right? Like, because yeah, if you are with a group of folks who seemingly are doing great in school and they're all on the path to go to prestigious colleges and whatnot, and that's just what you've always been told and you're going to apply to all the best schools and no matter what, if you get accepted, you got to go, right. no matter the cost, as opposed to maybe folks who are thinking slightly counterculturally and they're thinking maybe, like you said, more entrepreneurially, like what problems are out in the world? What service or product could I provide and solve this problem in a creative manner? That's business right there. Like I think a lot of times folks hear business and they think of, oh, you got to go to business school and you got to learn all this stuff. No, like there are ways to be in business that are as simple as that, where you are just solving a very clear, identifiable problem. Serving a local population. Are willing to pay for. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And along those lines as well, as far as college goes, I think more like the more and the older I get and the older my kids get, I am I just really love the idea of a gap year. And I think for 13 you know, years, by the time someone graduates as a senior, they've never made a decision as to what they're going to do next. Like, what am I going to do next year? Oh, I don't know. That's be- oh, yeah, maybe that's because you didn't have to decide. You just went from sixth grade to seventh grade. Right. <laughs> oh, you just went from ninth grade to 10th grade. You're on this track, this education track. And I think a gap year can be so important when it comes to pausing for a second and thinking, what else does life have to offer? Like, how else are other people making a living? I think that's one of the aspects of travel that's so important and so valuable because you can see that, oh man, there are people living all different sorts of ways that don't necessarily involve going to four plus more years of college. It can broaden uh, your horizons. In order to to make a living. So yeah, yeah, I think think the gap year taking, even just going like getting a job, learning a trade, doing something for a few months can just be such a good departure to to hit pause on that education track. And I'm a huge fan of higher education, but I do think there are a lot of uh, college attendees who are there and when they haven't necessarily thought about yeah. why they're that they're there that's the gap here that's what it's perfect for yeah. helping you yeah. figure out whether or not that's the right move for you and if and i think it can give you a renewed passion to go back to school like you might mm-hmm. put more effort in it too and i thought that's how emily has felt to going back to grad school took a big a big gap between college and grad school and now like there's decade, a decade plus there's a difference it's, it's in a gap decade yeah there's the, <laughs> yeah there's a difference in how she views the classes she's taken than the early to mid 20 somethings sure. just, just because I, I bet. that time off and that passion has taken time to build but and, and last thing this is probably the knee-jerk response you'd hear from most personal finance podcasts is like stick money into tax advantage retirement accounts so that you can you know you're starting young there's more time for that money to to grow and compound and it is true like that is an important thing to mention here but i think i really think all of the other things we've talked about are far more important than that because as you become a lifelong learner, as you hopefully increase your income, as you learn to live a life that you want to live, you 
you're going to you're going to be funneling money in that direction. And so, uh, sure, yes, please do <laughs> be sticking money into those tax advantage retirement accounts. I know in Canada, they're different than they are here in the States. They have a similar alphabet soup of retirement accounts available to them. But the, the earlier you get started, yes, the better. But I would say as long as you're not neglecting to invest in future you uh, into your own endeavors, maybe that is, oh, man, I'm not going to put money into a tax advantage retirement account because I'm going to travel on that gap year. That's a good decision because you know what? You'll get a job and you'll be able to start investing regularly right when you get that first job. So definitely focus on that. Make sure it's a priority, but also don't let that be the main focus, especially right now. That's right. Yeah. And you, you knew that we were going to get to investing based on the fact right. that you're talking, <laughs> the episode that you're listening to was uh, investing for retirement is easier than you think. It truly is easier than you think. It's just about getting that ball rolling at an early age. And those those returns are going to compound, which is why we spent so much time talking about all of the other non-money things, right. which maybe you weren't expecting and didn't want to hear, but we think personally that they could be even more powerful. And it's our show and we can do what we want. <laughs> it's one of the things that uh, that you get to do when you start your own business. Right. Joel, let's get to our next listener. He has a question regarding his craft beer equivalent. Hey, Matt and Joel. Dave from New Jersey, moving to Pennsylvania. Been a listener to the pod for about four years. You guys are great. Keep up the good work. Um, so I'm 26, sales engineer, just moved in with my girlfriend, moving to Pennsylvania, actually. So uh, lower cost living. That's great. Probably going to get engaged by that ring in the next six months, less than a year. Um, I have about 80000 saved and in cash and 100000 in retirement. So I'm pretty well set up. And my question is, should I throw my money into the car loan, pay it off, and be financially free for that for a bit? Or should I keep just saving, paying it off, and go from there? The only question I ask is because it's a 2022 Audi S4, certified pre-owned. Car's great, got very low mileage, and I'm really obsessed with the Lexus IS500. 5-liter V8, rear-wheel drive, super reliable, super comfortable. And it's kind of a car I would want to keep forever because it's so unique, hopefully. It's also more of a behavior than it is a financial problem, because I obviously could afford the car. So my question to you guys is, from a financial perspective, should I pay off the car and then personally develop some good habits of looking at my line items, continuing to budget, maybe reduce some expenses, or maybe you know pay off the car, fuel those payments for a couple months, and then decide if I want to get the car. Thanks for all your help, and thanks for making the pod. Hopefully, you guys uh, enjoy this question, as cars are definitely anti-finance, but let me know what you think. Thanks, guys. Dave, man, good luck on your move. And I think... And on that uh, hopeful engagement. Yeah. <laughs> Hope she says yes. Uh, but don't... Well, okay. So I actually, he was talking about how much cash he has on hand. I was actually thinking, oh no. Is he, I thought he was about to ask how much of that 80000 he should spend on a ring. And I was like, oh, that's too much money. <laughs> the, like the direction he was going with it, I was getting a little nervous there. Yeah. I'm trying to remember how much I spent on my ring for Emily. I, I, didn't, I didn't spend that much. Yeah. No, definitely <laughs> was not anywhere close to that. But it's still a nice ring. She loves it. Yeah. But uh, going anywhere with a lower cost of living is always nice. And, and Matt, we've experienced a little bit of that since moving up to the Burbs. That is a nice byproduct. You don't necessarily move for lower taxes or lower cost of living um, if you love where you live, but 
that can be helpful. And there's just a lot going on in this question. It sounds like cars are, Matt, you alluded to this, his craft beer equivalent. Mm -hmm. He likes the expensive ones, which means, Dave, you got to be careful. So you don't make some financially unsound moves just because you've got an obsession and an expensive one at that. That's true. Yeah. And so, Dave, you, you, you first asked about paying off the current car loan. And that partly depends on the interest rate that you have on that car. Sounds like you do have the cash on hand in order to pay that off. But if you have a rate of around, let's say, 4%, but then let's say that your cash is earning you 5%, from a number standpoint, there is no need to pay that thing off. Uh, it's kind of a, it's more of a mental thing, I, I guess. And if you really want to get rid of it and you'd still have enough money set aside in your emergency fund uh, after paying it off, you totally can. And at this point, it's just a personal decision that kind of falls into a, a pretty solid gray area. But it also it also kind of depends on what you're doing with that money, because in this case, it sounds like, <laughs> unfortunately, you're not thinking about maintaining that balance within a high yield savings account where you're out earning what it is that you're paying in interest towards that car note. You're actually talking about spending it on more depreciating assets. On another depreciating asset, which is the part that That makes me... That you love, which is good, but... That's what makes me the most uncomfortable. Sure. Okay, so let's talk about transportation costs for a second, because Dave mentioned in his question that cars are anti-finance, which isn't far from the truth, right? Yeah. If we're getting down to brass tacks, (laughs) the reality is that this is the area where most people have the biggest ability to change their financial lives, to change their future. The typical person, Matt, thinks that buying a new car for $50,000, financing it for seven years, at an interest rate of 9% or something like that is no big deal. But living like a normal American is a bad idea, and it is a big deal. The, The whole thrust of this show is to get you to live in a way that is not ordinary, that is hopefully extraordinary, and that changes your financial stress levels and your ability to achieve financial independence. And so changing just this one thing, how much you spend on cars, is going to have an incredible impact on your ability to save and invest for the future. That's right. So a quick example, uh, because maybe some specific numbers would actually help. The average monthly car payment today is $789. And now, if instead you took that money, you took that 789 bucks a month, and instead you invested it for 40 years, you would have $4.4 million. I feel like we needed a drum roll for that because that's really 4. hard. 4.4 million. It's hard to fathom. Like that uh, is so much money. <laughs> it's a ton. Just for, by avoiding. Based on average returns that we've seen over the in, in, within the stock market. So I just wanted to put that out there because that's a lot of money. And it puts we, it in perspective. We, exactly. We want to put things in the right perspective for you because it's clear that you're not in the boat of the average American. You are crushing it when it comes to your finances. And so we bring this up because it's helpful to think about the different trade-offs that you're going to be making. If you choose to own two really nice cars, think about some of the other things too, like secondary costs, like recurring costs. And what other potential goals might you have to push aside were you to, you know, get splurge and get this really expensive uh, craft beer equivalent. So it's, it's a decision only you can make. We're not going to judge you here. Kind of comes down to what it is that you want to achieve in the, yeah. you know, next 10 plus years. I, I think I, this makes me think I'm just really glad that I don't like cars and don't care about them to that extent sure. because, man, it really is an expensive hobby. Certain certain hobbies are made more expensive than others, and it's okay to have that hobby, but we just want to make sure, Dave, that you're doing it, at, doing things in the right order. And so if you can avoid car debt altogether and keep your car costs reasonable as a percentage of your budget, all while saving and investing for your future, planning and paying for that ring and for that wedding, you might be able to afford that other fancy car. 
But given the fact that you have a car note currently and you're at a place in time where every dollar matters, we would start saving for that goal, but hold off on the actual purchase for the time being. Because you know you, you said that you can obviously afford the car, but that too is in the eye of the beholder, right? You he- hear the term house poor, people instinctively know what that is. It's possible to be car poor too. And, and I, I think, again, you've done a better job saving and investing than most people, but you might kind of fall into that camp if you had two expensive rides like this. And we don't want that for you. We want you to build up your finances so that you can easily afford that car splurge in the future where it's like, you know, both of them free and clear. And yeah, it's it's still an expensive endeavor, but it's not nearly as expensive as it would be if you were getting rid of all your cash yeah. or if you were taking on a boatload of debt or keeping expensive debt around. Yeah, that's why. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the longer I think about it, the more I think I would encourage him, even if he does have a lower interest rate car loan to go ahead and pay it off, because I think it would just, it would just feel different. A he would have less money in the bank because, you know, like he, I think uh, he said it's, it's an Audi. Audis are expensive. And so he might have to pay I hear. like 25000 just to pay that thing off. And so you're talking about twenty five k, maybe even more, twenty five k less in the bank. That might feel a little different. And on top of that, just again, yeah, you mentioned some of the different life changes that he's got coming up. I think saving up in advance you know, I may not have made that decision myself to spend that much money on things, but simultaneously, I'm, I kind of did do that. Like I think back to my history, my past, I, I can easily put myself in Dave's shoes. Like I was kind of <laughs> like, I had a cool Jeep Cherokee with a four liter, uh, or was it a five liter? I don't know. It was the inline, <laughs> inline six, like my next Jeep, like I, it was a V8, 5.2 liter. Like I still remember these things because I was into cars. Like I had a classic Range Rover. I loved those things. I didn't have them all at the same time. But today, what do I drive? An 11 year old Honda minivan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I don't know. I guess I want to put that perspective out there, Dave, because I would hate for you to plunk down a whole lot of money on something that you might feel differently uh, about in the future. Because you even even said like, hopefully this is a car that you might keep forever. But Man, if there's anything I've learned about myself, at least, is that my tastes change. The things I'm interested in, my priorities, they shift over time. And I would just be cautious. That would be advice that I would give anybody in their 20s. Just be cautious about the things that you're pursuing uh, and how much money that that it's going to require of you. Yeah, try not to let them disrupt your future, even if it's something you want to pursue. Do it within healthy boundaries, right? Yeah. Uh, Okay, tell me about, Matt, the engine on the Honda Odyssey 2013. (laughs) Is it turbocharged? How many liters? I don't know. I I literally couldn't tell you. Is it a Hemi? I don't know. Anything about the engine (laughs) in our van now, except that I know it's a V6. Yeah. And that I get the oil change because I want that thing running forever, man. Right. We're at like close to 160,000 miles now, I think. Well, okay. We got more <laughs> questions to get to on this episode, Matt, including one about how accessible Roth funds are for you if you want to retire early. We'll get to that and more right after this. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. 
finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, we are back. We're taking two more questions, and this specific question has to do with early retirement. Let's get nerdy with it for a second. Hey, Matt and Joel. This is Nate from Oklahoma. I have a question about um, a Roth 401k conversion to a Roth IRA conversion um, when it comes to laddering for retirement. I see all sorts of articles around um, rolling over traditional 401k into a traditional IRA and then converting it into a Roth in the five-year strategy, um, but I don't see um, rolling over a Roth 401k into a Roth IRA. So this is my question. My question is, when you roll over a Roth 401k into a Roth IRA, does the full amount that you roll over, is that something you can access before 59 and a half? Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. All right, Matt, now I'm thinking about my one of my new favorite songs on the new Jason Isbell album called The King of Oklahoma. There's a lot of Oklahoma references in this one, but Oklahoma's <laughs> so hot these days. It's such a good song. And is it? you know what? Nate is setting himself up to be the king of Oklahoma, financially speaking. Ooh. Let's let's get to this question. Uh, Nate, we're big fans of Roth money. We talked about that actually a couple of weeks ago on a Friday flight. And the reasons are that Roth dollars are more flexible. And while uh, contributing to a Roth IRA or 401k increases what you're going to pay in taxes now, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of folks from a future tax rate and tax planning perspective, it sounds like you have realized that. And that's kind of why you're opting for the Roth version of some of those retirement accounts. That's right. Yeah. Nate, he also mentioned the five-year rule, which basically means that you can't take money out of a Roth IRA unless that account's been in existence for at least five years. And it doesn't actually matter how old you are, right? Uh, even if you are older than 59 and a half. And so this is just another reason to open a Roth IRA 
earlier in life. You could be 100 and they'd be like, sorry, you got to wait till you're 105. Uh, Even if you can only contribute a tiny little bit. If you're rolling over those funds into a Roth IRA that you've had for a while, the the Roth 401k funds that you move over, they get treated favorably. They're actually grandfathered in, essentially. And so that's not the case if you're opening a new Roth IRA. And Nate, you also might be referring to the five-year seasoning process of funds that you are able to convert from a traditional 401k to a Roth IRA as well. And so the way that works for other folks who are less familiar with it, but basically that money that gets converted from a traditional 401k, it's got to sit there for five years before you can get your hands on it, even if that account has been open more than five years. Again, lots of rules here on yeah. when it comes to retirement yeah. accounts. Again, we're getting nerdy with Sometimes it. Sometimes it gets tricky. But the, the heart of your question, Nate, is about whether or not you can tap those funds before 59 and a half once they've settled into the Roth IRA, once you've taken Roth 401k money and said, no, 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 now it's Roth IRA money. And so the thing is that the money you roll over from your Roth 401k, it actually retains the same properties and characteristics. A helpful way to think about this is, this is why it's called a Roth 401k to Roth IRA rollover. Because yeah, so actually, he's, it's, it's interesting because in, in his question, he's, he called it a conversion. It's yeah. technically not a conversion. It's a rollover. It's still post-tax dollars. It's apples to apples instead of apples to oranges. Exactly. Right? Yep. But the good news is that any of your contributions made to the Roth 401k, can try to stay that clearly, the Roth 401k, those are actually, they are accessible, tax and penalty free, once they have been uh, rolled over into a Roth IRA. Yeah. Okay. So it, it might be helpful to give another quick quick example here. And this is actually an illustration that our friend Sean Mullaney, he's a CPA, he's a fee-only fiduciary planner. And a financial uh, independence enthusiast. Yes. He's, he's given this example with these specific numbers. So let's say you've got a Roth 401k uh, with $100,000 in it. $70,000 as contributions and $30,000 as earnings. And when you roll over that Roth 401k into a Roth IRA, it maintains that same split. And since you're able to withdraw Roth IRA contributions tax and penalty free, you now have access to those funds in quote unquote early retirement, the $70,000 specifically prior to the all important uh, 59 and a half age marker. Uh, and so it sounds like that this is what you're asking about, uh, but it never hurts to check with a tax professional before make, making major changes because we don't give financial tax advice here. We are This is for entertainment purposes only. But if this was me, this is exactly how I would be approaching the situation. Yeah. With If you're going back to a Roth conversion ladder, right, where you're converting 401k funds into a Roth IRA, that's a conversion in that entire bucket. And I think that's, that's what you're asking about. That entire bucket is accessible early after it seasons for five years. But since you're talking about the Roth 401k, it's only the contributions that you make to that Roth 401k that you can tap early. Yeah. By the way, if you need help doing that rollover, Capitalize is a great company who can help you make it happen for free. They make it easy. We've got a review on the website that we'll link to. And anybody else out there who's like, I need to do a rollover or a conversion, well, Capitalize can help and, and they're pretty solid. So they're worth looking into. And Nate, good luck. Keep talking money away into those Roth accounts. Future you is, is going to be thankful. Matt, let's get to our last question for this episode. This one is uh, really coming from a guy who has done it all right, and it's an optimization play. Hey guys, my name's Kenton. I'm 38 from Ohio. My question is, should I pay off my mortgage early or add to my investments with my extra money? Currently, I have $190,000 in investments, and I'm adding about 20% between my 401k at work and a maxed out Roth. My mortgage has 60000 left, 
and 17 years on a 30-year mortgage, which is 4.5%. I'm fully funded for any other emergencies and have no other debts. I will have around $2,200 a month to either A, pay off my home in a little over two years, or B, add it to my other investments. I just don't know if one's better than the others. Curious what you guys think. You guys are awesome, and keep up the great work. Thank you. Actually, Kenton, you are awesome. <laughs> you are crushing it. I just want to be like Kenton when I grow up. <laughs> so, I mean, have a paid-for house right. in a couple of years. Uh, th- I feel like this is a classic personal finance question for sure. But Kenton, the world is your oyster because you have made such great financial choices over the years. And honestly, here's the here's the, the big reveal. Whichever direction you go is going to be fine, right? Like we are talking about uh, making an optimized choice. This is the, the, the last little percent that's going to get you exactly perhaps to where you want as opposed to some of the initial moves that are able to get folks most of the way there no 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 you're you have the ability now to fine tune it and get you exactly where it is that you want to be so kudos man right yeah right off the bat great job yeah it's like an embarrassment of riches this is really like i the definition of a cat bird seat yeah i think there are a lot of folks who are thinking oh yeah okay i just (laughs) wish that i had enough money on hand that i'm trying to figure out what to do with it as opposed to having the need or the desire drive the decision i guarantee you can't didn't get there overnight though no, and a lot of people no. they see this they hear this and they're like well man i wish i i wish i could be there but i guarantee you it was a lot a lot of hard work and a lot of like years and consistency doing the right thing paycheck pay, paycheck in paycheck out uh, and stuff like that making making wise choices so kenton yeah congrats and when you have a maxed out roth and a 20 percent contribution to your workplace retirement account matt you're going to be able to retire early, you're going to be able to retire, you know, probably in your late 40s or 50s if you wanted to as well. This is, these are the kind of choices Kenton's going to have at his disposal, plus a fully funded emergency fund and no debt besides the mortgage. I mean, this, again, this is a great place to be. Uh, but this is, and this is really a, a money gear number seven question, where you get to choose your own adventure. We have, you know, you can find the money gears up on our website at howtomoney.com. There are seven money gears. Money gear number seven is when you've kind of made it. You're you're basically on the precipice of financial independence. And these kind of questions are are the ones you get to decide what you want to do with. There isn't necessarily a next thing you have to do. And so if you'd like the the mental satisfaction, let's say, Kenton, of having zero debt, if that means a lot to you, then that's probably the direction you should go and you should probably pay off the mortgage sooner rather than later. But if we're if we're going just by the numbers, that's probably not the best decision necessarily. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. To pay it off early, that would be that would give him the emotional win. But to keep it around, that's technically the numbers win. Uh, if you're just crunching the numbers and getting technical with it, and that's because you can clearly earn more in a savings account <laughs> than you would by paying off that mortgage. Like you literally don't even have to take on any investing risk in order to outperform. And specifically, he said sixty thousand dollars at four and a half percent. Like that is something that I personally would probably keep around. Sure. Uh, and I would be prior- prioritizing other financial goals. But again, it's a personal choice. This really does all come down to the things that you're pursuing, your personal goals. And honestly, it can like it kind of sounds like you're a little indifferent as to whether or not you keep the mortgage around or whether you pay it off. And so with that in mind, I, if this was me, I would optimize for the numbers and then build up some cash that's accessible and just wait and see. Yeah. Give, give yourself the ability to pounce on an opportunity that might come along. Because right now, it's, again, you don't have a need or a desire that's fueling you or pointing you in, in a direction to make a certain financial decision. And so instead, give yourself the most liquidity possible. And what that means is socking up a lot of money within your high yield savings, 
sitting on that and waiting for the ability to invest in a business startup. The desire might come along in a couple of years for you to start your own business. Or like, again, Justin, at the very beginning of the episode, and you would have the cash on hand to say, oh my gosh, I am a great woodworker. Who right. like who knew this is something that I am good at that I would want to pursue? Boom, you could be in a position to build out the dopest woodworking shop of all time there on your property. So yeah. that's if it was me, that's what I would do. I would building be up cash working to set yourself up means building up optionality. Options, and, yep. Yeah, and so why when you're not forced to pay this debt off early and the numbers seem totally in your favor, keeping it around, would you pay it off when you could retain those options with no harm, no harm done? I think if, Matt, if savings account rates were still at like half a percent and his mortgage was at four and a half and this was like the last debt in his life, we would our answer would probably be different. But when savings accounts are paying 5%, then it, it there's just no reason to feel like feel compelled to pay it off more quickly. That's true. And, and this also, just last thing for Kenton, you can also enjoy some of your money too. I don't know if you are like me he in that way. Sh- he didn't share his craft beer equivalent, right. but maybe he could find a couple more craft beer equivalents. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying you need to take a page out of Dave's book and buy some fancy automobile or anything like that. Dave, not trying to throw you under the bus, man. But uh, Unless that's your thing, Kenton. If yeah. it is, get you another Audi. Get you the uh, <laughs> Lexus, whatever. Uh, yeah. If you've been putting something like that off though, like purchases you enjoy for years and years and years because you've been doing the right thing, make sure to take a step back and say, what am I doing this for? What are my bigger goals? How do I, in what ways can I spend money that moves the needle as well? Because you have the ability and the right to be able to spend that some of that money that comes in to be able to make your life better and yep. uh, be able to enjoy some of the fruits of your labors. So don't push that back off being one of those hyper frugal people who who never allows themselves the benefit of some of the money that, that comes in and some of the, the gains that they've made. That's right. Yeah. And if you have no idea what it is that you want to spend your money on, but just be like, hey, just go out with some friends and cover dinner. Start start there. Yeah. <laughs> because that I don't know, that sounds like a lot of fun to me as well. Cover drinks, cover the cost of dinner. But yeah. uh Kenton Way to go. You are crushing it and keep up the good work, Joel. Let's uh, get back to the beer that you and I enjoyed during this episode. This is with a J, Dream, right? J-R-E-A-M. This is a strawberry, cherry, cotton candy, jelly bean, sour. Was it, it's kind of like a, a pastry. Yeah. Kind of had some pastry notes going on, but uh, who, who's this by? This is by Burley Oak Brewing Company. Oh, really? Okay. Out of did you Maryland. say that at the beginning? I don't know if I did. Okay. But uh, it never, was, I'll say it was good. This was this was interesting. It was it was not too over the top. I thought it was going to be based on reading what was in it. I was like, this is this gonna is be intense. Ridiculous. Yeah, but no, I, th- I feel like good. the brewer pulled off a balanced delight here of a beverage with some light vanilla notes, the, the kind of fruitiness coming together uh, as well. With that, it made it really smooth, really tasty. It's it's not necessarily like a go to style for me, but it's a rare breed, and so I I enjoyed this one. It made me think of, so recently, uh, the coffee shop that's right here next to us, near us, that uh, they moved locations recently. And when they did that, like they literally st- across the street, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they started offering uh, Dippin' Dots. So just a heads oh, up, really? I that didn't they, see that. They sell Dippin', they sell Dippin Dots and King uh, King of Pops, like oh, the gosh. local Atlanta popsicle. So I was there with my... Now I'm going to go broke when I go with my kids. <laughs> no, I was there with three out of four of my kids and the lady... She didn't, I, w- I don't want to say she made the mistake of saying this, but she was just like, oh, and by the way, we've got Dippin' Dots. And all the kids were like, Dippin' Dots! <laughs> I was just like, oh, geez. Ice cream of the future since I, 1982. I guess we're going to do that. But it rem- this beer reminds me of one of the flavors, which is rainbow. Oh. That's just the flavor, right? So it's just kind of like a fruit punch medley. Uh, it reminds you of like... Well, 
pouring some Skittles in your hand, throwing it back, right? <laughs> it's the rainbow. It's got all the different, uh, or I guess I'm thinking of nerds as well, but you okay. know, just like a multi-flavored fruit punch action going yeah. on. But like you said, I agree. It wasn't over the top, wasn't too sweet. I appreciate that, that it didn't necessarily spike my blood sugar uh, as we sat here and enjoyed this one. But yeah, fun to specifically have a beer from a brewery that we've never uh, been able to enjoy before. But buddy, that's going to be it for this episode. Don't forget to leave some solid reviews over on Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you listen. There's a good shot you can win an awesome pair of socks to represent one of your favorite money podcasts. That's right. Get that screenshot over to us uh, before midnight on Wednesday. Yeah, email it to howtomoneypod at gmail.com. That's right, and we will announce winners on Friday. But Joel, that's going to be it, buddy, for this one. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.